Welcome to Ask the Educator, a podcast brought to you by Healthmark Industries. Are you a sterile processing technician or manager? Maybe you work in infection prevention or biomedical engineering. Whether you're a frontline tech, endoscopy tech, OR nurse, or surgical services administrator, you undoubtedly have influence in medical device processing at your facility. In each episode, we speak with experts from the Healthmark Clinical Affairs team, industry leaders, or special guests from the trenches to answer your questions and bring you relevant industry information, equipping you for excellence in medical device processing. My name is Kevin Anderson, and I will be your host. Now let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Ask the Educator podcast. This is Kevin Anderson, your host. Today, unfortunately, I don't have Adam Okada with me. But that's okay. We're going to keep rolling because he's in the department somewhere helping somebody out, which is great. With me as a guest, I have Amy Space. Is that how I pronounce your name, right? Did I do it right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, good. I don't want to assume now. So, uh, but thank you for joining me. I really appreciate that. Normally, I get that, you know, pronunciation idea out of the way beforehand, but today I didn't. So I apologize. (laughs) Thank you for that. But Amy, it's great to have you here. I don't know if everyone out there in our listenership will know who you are. So if you could just give us a little brief introduction about yourself, who you work with right now and and what you're doing right now, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Um, Yes, my name is indeed Amy Space. Um, (laughs) I'm a registered nurse. And I worked in the OR for about 12 years and then worked in sterile processing for uh, three to four years. And um, now, actually, I live in Europe. I live in the Netherlands and I'm working for a company called Incision. And we create e-learning material for uh, surgical professionals, including sterile processing professionals, and um, also do some work with um, OR efficiency as well. So I'm really happy to be here and uh, using my OR and SPD experience from the U.S. to create uh, e-learnings. Excellent. And that is a little bit of a preview, hopefully for maybe a future podcast that maybe we can kind of get into incision a little bit more because it sounds like there's some really interesting things going on over there. I'm also glad that you mentioned you're in the Netherlands now because I kind of forgot about that. You are another international guest, which is really cool. That being said, I did want to get into your background a little bit. It's it's interesting to me because it's very similar to the path I have taken, but there's been a lot of conversation out there on social media and I think a lot of people in the industry even not in social on social media that have this discussion about whether nurses should be running OR uh, running OR or running SPD or if that's a good idea, all of those things, but I'm not really here to kind of answer that question, really. I just wanted to bring your story to the forefront, mostly because I think it's a a great example of how things can turn out. But the truth is all, you know, walks of life, whether you're still processing expert or OR expert or whatever, all have that potential, right, to become a great leader, but it's not a guarantee. So anyway, Getting into uh, your background, so you started out as an operating room nurse, which is unusual, right? Like it's it's very hard to get a job in the operating room right out of school, or uh, and that's basically what happened for you, right? 
Yeah, I was lucky enough. Yeah, I think it Back then, it was even more uncommon to be hired directly from nursing school into an operating room. But yeah, I was lucky enough to be hired with a group of other new nurses directly into the OR. We had an OR educator at that time who was really great as well. So I started off there, uh, was also lucky enough to work at an institution where nurses learned how to scrub. So that was really, really great. And um, I kind of worked my way from a circulating and scrub nurse in cardiac surgery to being a team leader, a nurse liaison, and uh, a charge nurse. And then during that charge nurse time, I worked a lot with process improvement and the operational excellence team. And then uh, my last role in the OR was as assistant manager. Excellent. So there's a lot of progression there uh, with your career. And I think that's one of the kind of cool things about the operating room is I can't I feel like it really lends itself to that progression. You get to learn a lot and constantly and you know whether it's even orientation orientation is extremely overwhelming and it's hard to ever you know envision yourself as actually grasping all of these things and then eventually it's like wow this is becoming kind of old hat and I'm getting pretty good at it and then you sort of look for another new challenge and you can usually find it in the operating room. It took me, you know, uh, in, in the hospital, I spent about 18 years and it was all doing those progressive challenges, just like you described. So one of the things that you mentioned, I, I want to pick out a little bit is you mentioned the liaison role. Can you explain a little bit more about the liaison role that you were in? Because, you know, I've heard of that before, but I don't want to assume that it's the exact same as what I'm aware of and and what, uh, you know, maybe other people might come to their mind what, what it is. So go ahead and explain what your role was as liaison. Yeah, so the liaison role I'm talking about isn't one between the OR and SPD, which most people might be thinking about. It was actually a role to help inform and educate families and also patients the day of surgery. So it was something... Um, out of the scope of, I would say, a, a normal surgical nurse. So at least in my hospital. So as a surgical nurse in my hospital, you were really just working in the OR. You didn't really meet families before and after. So this role was was something very different. Um, and, and I really enjoyed it. I, I also learned a lot. And I enjoyed meeting families in the morning and also patients. And then during those particularly long procedures, being that face that comes out and gives the the family updates. I'm glad they thought of such a role because I think it is so important. And I think that there's probably a lot of OR nurses out there that are saying, you know, part of the reason I'm in the OR is because I don't want to do all the family interaction that I used to have to do. I'm not very comfortable with it. I'm not very good at it, whatever a good role to have. I know families are out there just so anxious and and concerned. And, and it's uh, one of those things that a lot of operating room nurses, it's not that it's an afterthought. It's just your mind is so busy with things in the operating room that it, it's easy to forget to go and call them or what have you. And then in this case, you guys were actually going out there face-to-face talking to them, which is awesome. So you went into assistant managing eventually uh, of the operating room, which I know is extremely um, challenging because I have similar experience in my past. But eventually you were asked to work in sterile processing. So in what capacity did you have to do that? And did you 
have to kind of basically make a jump from OR to sterile product? How did that work out? What I referred to before during the charge nurse time, uh, being involved in process improvement, that was mainly around the relationship and the processes in the OR and SPD and, and yeah, the, the communication and, and processes between the two departments. I, I learned a lot during that time, in fact, about sterile processing and uh, in multidisciplinary meetings every morning at seven o'clock. It really deepened my knowledge base of SPD because admittedly, <laughs> in my early OR career, I think uh, I was sort of a typical OR nurse where I, I worked with small sterilizers. We had them in the OR. Um, so I knew a little bit about IUSS. I knew how to wrap packages. I knew about Bowie, Bowie Dicks. I knew about biological indicators. But yeah, I didn't really have, have the bandwidth to ask questions and understand why I was doing some of the things I was doing with SPD stuff. So this this whole thing um, in the last years of my OR career really um, made me appreciate on a whole other level uh, the stuff that's done in SPD and the, the technicians and professionals that work there. So um, yeah, after being involved in, and I'll also say uh, this process improvement again was in the OR and also in, in SPD. So it wasn't a one-sided thing here. It was really that both departments had a lot to work on. I love that you guys were starting your day with a with that multidisciplinary team. I want to tell you, I've I've actually been witness and and sat in. I was doing some audits, or we call them consultative practice reviews. Uh, of these facilities. And we actually got the privilege to sit in on uh, what I believe would have been a, a similar uh, morning huddle where the OR came, the pre-op, post-op came, sterile processing came, the director came, all these people came together to discuss the day or the next day or whatever it was. I think it might have been the next day, actually. The sterile processing team brought up some really important points. One was that, hey, our, on our schedule, we have six of these cases, but we have three sets of instruments, right? And everyone was kind of taking note of that and like, oh, okay, so blah, blah, blah. You know, like we're trying to like understand that basically we don't have enough stuff, all right? But what I found really, I don't know, I I found surprising that they there wasn't really the actions taken at that point, like, uh, maybe maybe we can adjust our schedule. Maybe we can get in some loaner instruments or maybe we can, you know what I mean? Like nothing was done with that critical information to prevent problems the next day. And so I wanted to see what your experience was with that, because I think it is so critical that, you know, when we put these processes in place, that they're actually successful and that people feel like they're actually working, especially when all of us are coming together to share our expertise, right? Uh, so I was curious what your experience was with that. I mean, would you feel like, you know, people were heard and then actions were taken that would actually, uh, you know, make a difference uh, for the day or the next day, whatever it was you were addressing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, these meetings were were in fact real meetings. Um, the huddles came a little bit later. So in these meetings, we had uh, SPD, OR, um, housekeeping, um, maintenance, 
um, operational excellence, uh, um, yeah, infection prevention and uh, patient safety. I mean, anybody who could could have uh, a thought and give input on on anything we were talking about, um, they were invited. In these meetings, it was more about, um, okay, this is a problem that we're having. Um, how are we going to solve it? And and how are we going to make sure that what we're trying works? And how are we going to make sure that it continues to work? So these meetings were, you know, went on for months. I think, I think one of these a critical indicator of of a, a team or a, a place where you work, you know, recognizing that you have uh, opportunities, we'll say, and then yeah, doing something about them, and then yeah, continuing to to evaluate and continuing to audit to make sure that these um, these positive changes that you put in place work and. That's what these meetings were about, um, the ones I'm speaking about. But yeah, indeed, the, the normal daily huddles came later uh, between OR and SPD. And then also we um, uh, instituted huddles at the beginning of every shift in SPD. I'm glad that you say that because so many times I've been a part of meetings or huddles or whatever, and people will just walk away and they're like, gosh, did we even accomplish anything? You know what I mean? And And I think that Anybody who has meetings or huddles routinely, I think at some point you're going to be questioning that. And hopefully you're questioning it to the point where like, all right, we're going to do something about that and make sure that these are valuable uh, uses of our time and and not just be complacent with it. Um, uh, Nothing worse than just kind of a monotonous, robotic, automatic meeting or huddle that is not doing any, any good for you. But you kind of hinted at uh, using huddles and sterile processing. So I do want to get to that part. I, I know that, you know, in your background, you you eventually ended up in a management role, right, for sterile processing. So can you just uh, take us through that? Like, what led to it? How did you get chosen? Like, what, what, what happened there that they said, hey, this yeah. nurse from the operating room might be a good candidate to run sterile processing? How, did, how does that happen? Well, I, I, I'm not sure what, what the, exactly they were thinking, but um, I guess I would like to think that they thought that I was curious and hardworking enough and professional enough and caring enough and, and knowledgeable enough to be able to make the transition. And I think they made that judgment call based on the time that I've done this process improvement work and yeah, trying to bridge the communication gap, of course, along with other people on my team, uh, not to say that I single-handedly did did any of these things, but yeah, so I think it, it was a judgment call from surgical services leadership based on that. Yeah, and, and when they asked, it was uh, I was completely surprised by it, and I, I had to think about it. Um, but then I, I said, "Yes, of course, I'll I'll give it a try." It was an interim role, so for six months, and then uh, a couple months into the role, uh, I think it, it. Yeah, they they asked me if I wanted to to do it permanently, and it was incredibly difficult and challenging um, in many ways, but. I decided to stay in the role. I really liked it. I I loved learning more about the processes and the people. I loved the team. I saw where we were going. And I really liked being a part of something that felt a bit bigger. Really, 
help helping the OR understand more about SPD and and vice versa. Yeah, it's very unique, I think, for those of us, and and we discuss it now a little bit before the podcast. But you and I have very similar paths there uh, in our backgrounds, and I think it is a very unique position to be in, and you know, experience to come from the OR to then managing sterile processing. Uh, and I think it's funny that you know it ended up working out for us. You know, spoiler alert, right? But now, like one of the obvious things that people want to do with their new technicians or new nurses is to kind of get them a day or some some amount of experience in the other department, which I think is very wise. But that being said, I want to kind of get back to your, you know, your beginning, you know, in sterile processing. I, I You mentioned it was kind of a nerve wracking thing and a little bit of going into the unknown. And I, I definitely want to give you some some kudos there for trying something that you weren't very confident in. That's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, but you had mentioned something that um, kind of set you up for success. And I don't want to put you on the spot and make you fish for it or anything like that. But you had mentioned to me earlier uh, before we started the podcast that that you believed one of the keys to your success with sterile processing was just being humble. And I think that that is obviously very critical coming from a position of not being the expert in a department and what they do. But I also think it's very critical whether you're coming from the department or not, because it's a totally different role with totally different competencies and uh, and leadership and management are are totally different than being a great OR nurse or a, a great SPD technician. So what was it in those first few, you know, first few weeks, first few months you think that kind of allowed you, what was that humility in action? Like, what did you do uh, to, you know, like I mentioned to you before, like the OR thought I was just going to go down there and fire everybody and start over. Obviously, you can't do that. So what was it that you did out of the gate to set yourself up for success going forward? I was very honest with myself and also honest with the team. I hadn't worked in an SPD before. I did know um, a lot about workflows and standards and practices, but yeah, I hadn't worked in an SPD before and I wasn't afraid to admit that. Um, but I also wanted the team to under to understand that I wasn't um, yeah, trying to pretend that I was somebody that I wasn't. So I, I was very honest with them and I said, yes, I know I'm a nurse. I know I'm from the operating room. Um, I'm here now, and I'm going to ask you a ton of questions. Uh, you're probably going to think I'm crazy, but it's it's because I want to understand. And asking questions helps me understand uh, you and helps me get to know you as an individual, uh, the team, but also um, the work. So, And I also said, yeah, I'm going to make mistakes because I'm a human. They're also going to make mistakes and they're human. And and I understand and accept that. And I think, yeah, that was one of the things that that helped initially. And also really just being curious and, and wanting to know why and not wanting to know why, because yeah, that leads to something else. Or uh, yeah, not not asking like, why did you do this? It's asking why to understand. <laughs> I think that's an important distinction because, you know, when when you ask people why they're doing something, uh, 
in in the in a different tone sometimes they're the the response is a much more uh defensive like uh this is not, you know like yeah. you just start trying to like tell people why you're doing it it's different than the logic behind it and no that's that's great it, it's funny because i was uh i was kind of fortunate to you in, in that i had a director that that set me up for success and 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 i definitely recommend this for any any of out there rns that might be thinking of taking on a leadership role in sterile processing but i actually went to one of the sister sites it was actually the mothership site i guess you would call it of our health system and they had me train as a technician would for a few weeks uh before i even started in my management role so i wasn't totally going in uh not knowing anything uh but it definitely wasn't you know enough time to know everything it just wasn't i was i wasn't totally blind but i would have loved to have had the time to do that yeah <laughs> but it just yes. it just wasn't possible in the situation and yep. Yeah, I think ideally you would have somebody with knowledge of yep. the work, which yeah, I had some knowledge of the work, but I hadn't lived it every day. I think ideally you would have somebody that has lived it every day, yep. but also with that leadership, leadership ability. And that's just not always possible at the time. And if you have a, have to fill a position quickly or. We were fortunate because when I was hired, we still had a contracted interim manager in place, right? So it wasn't like, you know, we, we hired me and then all of a sudden the department didn't have a manager for a few weeks, you know, while I was gone. It wasn't like that at all. Um, so yeah, it was a very unique circumstance and and it worked out well. But um, that being said, I mean, you, you, you're thrust into this position. Um, I don't know, we didn't really talk about how the department was doing you know, prior to you starting, but what kind of, what kind of things did you see or do to, to know and feel like you were having any success as a sterile processing manager? What were your key indicators that things were going well in the department? It took a little bit of time sure. <laughs> to be completely honest with you, sure. because we, the department was in a rebuilding phase, mm -hmm. really. We were hiring an educator and we were growing the department, um, ensuring that there were enough positions available to actually fill the production need. And um, so we were really in a rebuilding phase. So it took some time. I do remember getting some feedback. Um, so if you're talking about me personally, uh, wanting to know or understanding if we were we were um, seeing any sort of success, I did get some feedback from people who had worked in the department for some time, some positive feedback, which was really, really nice to hear. Also, some of the new hires, so new hires with or without experience, or maybe they were hired a couple months before I came to the department. Also receiving some positive feedback from them, from me as a as a leader was a good feeling, a positive feeling, knowing that I was was helping the team and the organization also move forward. But yeah, in terms of a, a real like overall success, it was more about like seeing actual um, decreases in errors. There and, you go. Uh, yes. Stuff yes. like that. Yes, of course. Yes. That's a prime thing. I think that people, um, you know, obviously the, the, the good the positive feedback, I mean, that's huge. It's huge because, you know, if you haven't anyone listening out there, if you haven't been a manager or a supervisor or something like that in the past, 
getting compliments or positive feedback is rare. Usually the feedback comes when you've done something wrong or you failed at something. And that's when you get feedback. And as we all know, uh, it's very challenging to push through that. One of the things I, I hope and I, I like to see for any leader or manager, whether it's uh, somebody in a nurse background or somebody in sterile processing background, is that they're actually keeping track of some metrics and, and key performance indicators, and they're actually improving them and, and engaging the staff and on all of that stuff. I love to hear that that there's, you know, there's more nurses out there that, you know, I that are willing to step into a sterile processing management role. Uh, it is scary. I think one of the biggest things, both from my experience and from yours, that stands out is that ability to kind of be humble, uh, learn, be curious, not act like a know-it-all and learn the role and support the people who are do doing the work, which is exactly what your director said, right? You are having kind of a a moment or whatever. And can you kind of explain that a little bit? Because that was, I think, an interesting part of our discussion prior to this podcast. Yeah, sharing something a, a little bit personal. Um, we're all human. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're talking about your manager or director or whoever. But yeah, in the beginning, I was feeling quite anxious as, as you, you would expect, but also even a little bit guilty that I couldn't always hop in um, because of either my lack of experience or the work that I had to do. I couldn't always hop in and just work side by side with the technicians. And I, I told my director this, I told her how I was feeling. And um, she was a very, very, and is still, of course, a very wise woman. And she told me at the time, your team, your department doesn't need somebody that can do the work. They need somebody that can lead. And that's what you have to do now. And that's what you are doing. And you can work out some of the rest later. That was like a, a turning point for me, I think, especially um, thinking back on the first, I don't know, three to six months of being there. Yeah, definitely very wise words to a, a, a new leader in, in such a challenging role. That's the kind of stuff you need to to get to get back on the horse, you know, and I, I'm so glad that she was there for you, you know, provided you with with that direction, because that is what most of us need is whether you're a staff nurse in the operating room or you're a sterile processing technician person who's in that management seat above all else needs to be a good leader. And that's most important, you know, the the knowledge and all of that stuff uh, the technical skill and all of that can come later as, you know, time permits and as the, you know, as there's willingness and all of that. That being said, you know, you learned a lot coming into sterile processing in a short amount of time because of, you know, it's kind of a trial by fire type situation. So two kind of hand in hand questions. One is, you know, what do you think you learned about sterile processing that you think every OR nurse should know? For me, I, I think I think of like people thinking when I was going to go down there, like I said earlier, and just fire people and start over, that that isn't really the necessary step. Like those are people with jobs and uh, families to feed and, and, you know, really it's a misunderstanding of how management and leadership work, right? My, my thing is that I would like, I would like OR staff to understand that, you know, 
success can be had with a failing sterile processing department. It's usually a problem with poor leadership. And that's where, you know, if the department is failing, it's not the people necessarily that that are doing the work. It's not necessarily their fault. And that shouldn't be our assumption. And just like we wouldn't assume that if the OR was failing. It's not like, you know, they got to be set up for success. And so there's other, th- you know, another thing would just is a tray doesn't take, it, it takes longer than 30 minutes to turn it over, right? So there's like two two main things that came to my mind. It takes three to four hours to turn over a tray in a vacuum. That's with a department that has no other trays to do, right? Uh, and then uh, other than that, it's, you know, hey, success can be had with the staff that you have. Yeah. And and to, to tack on to your point about people, you know, you, you have to educate people and you also need to have the proper processes in place before you can really judge a person as to whether or not they, they can uh, yeah. they can perform. Um, so, yeah, we always look at the processes before the, the people. Uh, what should the OR know about SPD? I think they should know that the job isn't easy if they have the bandwidth, which I had uh, at some other moments in my OR career and maybe not at all of them, they should ask questions and try to understand uh, something like, uh, why can't I have this set? You're telling me I can't have it for 12 hours. Well, maybe it's processed with ethylene oxide. As an OR nurse, you might have no idea what that means. Um, (laughs) But yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah ask questions, be part of the solution, be curious, and also assume good intent. The SPD and the people that work there are not trying to make your life difficult. They're not there to uh, irritate you and just assume that they're good people and that they're working hard and they're doing what they're supposed to, which leads me to, yeah, there are standard workflows and processes for a reason pushing, asking uh, SPD techs to hurry up or do something they're not supposed to do also isn't okay. Oh, gosh, <laughs> it's, just, yes. it's just not. <laughs> I love that's one of my pet peeves. Yeah. Stop asking for quick turnarounds. Like you're just asking for people to cut corners. I, I can't stand that. So that that right there, that is yeah. that is huge. It's those processes have to be carried out in order to produce a quality and safe product. And I, I think that is a great, <laughs> a great emphasis point right there. How about the other way around? What should sterile processing technicians know about the OR that maybe they don't know? Like why, you know, there's a unique perspective that we have. And so I think it's a, a, a great opportunity to share that. Yeah. If the job isn't easy in the OR, um, and you should also assume good intent. Um, but yeah, as a nurse or a, a, um, a surgical tech in the OR, you're responsible for the patients, um, circulating nurses, observing everything that's going on in the room. They're looking for sterile technique and, and they're counting and they're opening supplies and communicating with everybody. So so yeah, that, that's also a really challenging job that requires, uh, yeah, a multitasking and you're, you're really um, all over the place at, at times, which could um, indeed uh, make you respond to somebody uh, in a way in SPD that isn't um, totally 
as you would normally. So I think it's professionally. Yeah. 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 I think. <laughs> yeah. And it's not an excuse. No. It's just a reality that, you know, even as, you know, human beings, as a part of a family, we respond to each other uh, inappropriately sometimes. And it might be just due to stress or a situation or what have you. But yeah. unless you go in there and you experience it, you know, walk a, a, a mile in someone's shoes, it's hard to explain it to somebody. And that's why I think it is good for sterile processing to have some observation days with a circulator or some observation days with a scrub tech, just like they would teach another student or a brand new nurse or what have yeah. you. Uh, because it's hard to put into words uh, the stress you feel when the doctor and the organization want to get that turnaround time to 15 minutes or whatever, and you have to make sure that the HMP is done correctly. You have to make sure the site is marked. You have to make sure there's no wrong site surgery. You have to make sure that nothing is left behind in a patient. And that is all on your shoulders. Like as a circulator and scrub, you kind of yeah. take those responsibilities. There's a lot of liability on your shoulders and it's, you know, maybe not personal. It ends up, you know, uh, a lot of time, not that it can't be personal, but it can end up on the hospital. Uh, but either way, it doesn't matter when when something goes wrong. The the horror you feel uh, is is next to none and uh, second to none. And so it's it's a hard thing to put into to words and it doesn't excuse bad behavior, but it is something that people should kind of learn about I agree. during their orientation. And so. I, I just, I, I think those are excellent points. And um, I hope that people understand out there just having this conversation with you and putting it out there. I hope people understand that uh, nurses can make great managers, uh, great leaders in sterile processing. Sterile processing technicians can make great managers and leaders in sterile processing. Just want to keep people's minds open uh, to the possibilities. You know, it's possible that we could fail. It's possible that we could be great. It doesn't matter what your background is. Uh, it just matters what your mindset is, what you're willing to do and put into it. But uh, with that being said, just as a final, uh, you know, question to you, uh, what what is it that you are so thankful for and grateful for in terms of your experience in sterile processing? I am thankful and grateful for the wonderful people that um, I met as, as staff, um, also their patience with me uh, and their willingness to try different things with me. We put a lot of, yeah, revised workflows into to place, yeah, based on their feedback. So we we recognized things could be better and we made uh, adjustments. We tried things. Sometimes they worked, sometimes they didn't work. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I appreciate their professionalism and patience. And I also really appreciate the robust and connected and great SPD community. Great is uh, such a, yeah, it doesn't describe it, but yeah. <laughs> I know it, what you mean. I yeah, know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. The, the SPD community, I, I think is an exceptional one. I think that that's something I didn't feel um, as an OR professional. And I'm grateful for that every day. And I learn things every day from, from SPD professionals. And I, I, I love it. I still love it. I agree with you, Amy. I feel the same way. I, I'm blown away every day by the people I meet in departments, the people that are out there on social media, the, the passion that they have is just incredible. 
you know, I don't want to get down another rabbit hole about pay. They don't get paid what they're worth. We all know that. But that just makes their passion and their professionalism that much more like exceptional, you know, and, uh, and impressive. So anyway, I just want to thank you for taking the time out and and sharing your story. I think it's a very valuable one. I hope people enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed being on the show. Maybe next time we'll like, we teased it a little bit earlier. Maybe next time we'll get into a little bit about what you're doing, uh, with incision and, and we'll look forward to that. Okay. Yeah. sounds great. I do want to add sure. kindness goes a long way. Mm. So I think that the the OR could take a moment uh, from time to time and be kind to SPD. And I think that uh, the the reverse could also really go a long way in making connections between both departments. And that's a perfect place to end. Thank you so much, Amy. Appreciate your time. Thank you. All opinions expressed on this show are those of the presenters. Before using any medical device, it is important to review the device manufacturer's instructions for use.